0: Uh, Let me begin by expressing how delighted I am to have the opportunity to be back at Rez. I've just come from our own conference back home in in Zambia and heading on to yet another. But this is a welcome sort of midway break and to link up with a number of you, especially in the wider Kauteng area, uh, to have some opportunity for renewed fellowship. I do realize that uh, one or two of my topics may be uh, a bit on the negative side, and consequently, um, although I'm already inviting you to turn to 2 Timothy uh, and chapter 3, let me say a few words about it. The subject that I'm dealing with today is uh, today's deadly shift in ministry from shepherd to sorcerer. And basically what I have in mind is what all of us are seeing today that ought to be a matter of concern. I have preached about it, in fact, the message that I'm giving here is basically uh, one that I gave at um, the Strange Far conference with some level of uh, modifications in view of um, the, the title that I am dealing with here. So it's something that I have been dealing with on the international fora as well as in my own uh, country. Uh, two things that I often uh, get as uh, uh, warnings. The first is a warning against pride that as you are saying to other people you are wrong or this is wrong, it is a sign that you think you are the only one who is right. And I do want to get that out of the way immediately. Uh, that uh, I I do this primarily out of concern. It's it's, uh, as a shepherd who is meeting individuals who are wrecks, individuals who have uh, been destroyed by people they went to initially because they thought these are shepherds who will help me, and then ended up in the hands of sorcerers. And it's that which concerns me. And then there is the second warning, which is that you may go off at a tangent. In other words, you're spending your life now just trying to destroy what you think is wrong, that in the process you're not really teaching the positive message. And my answer to that is simply the fact that uh, I do have my sermons on the internet that you can download something between three to 400. And I hope you will see that this is not what I do for a living. <laughs> I pastor God's people. I take them through God's word very positively. And, you know, you, it's not something that's happening in a little corner somewhere. The messages are there for you to see. One of the things I will soon bring out in a moment is that the concern is that this is a Trojan horse. In other words, we're not throwing stones at some cult out there. This issue is within evangelicalism in Africa. And because it is within the gate, within the wall, it is important that we, as it were, unmask what is happening so that the innocent can realize that this is the danger, this is devastating, this is wrong. And really, that's the the background. This is what uh, concerns me. When I spoke at... Uh, the Strange um, Fire Conference, I, I simply went to um, our own local newspapers and went to the two latest pieces of news that were doing their rounds back home in Zambia. And it was clearly showing that y- you have pastors who are in, in court. Uh, because of uh, raping and also wanting to rape uh, women. And it was all within this same context of pastors beginning to function more as witch doctors or or sorcerers. A lot of that has continued. I just want to quickly quote um, what I have here, and it was... A message that came to me one year after Strange Fire Conference. From a lady. It's a couple who've been having serious marriage problems that I was helping. And I help quite a number, so this is just one among many. And this is what she says to me. November 17th, 2014. Dad has been telling me about all the miracles his pastor performs. But I don't believe in all these prophets, so I never went there or even believed him until Thursday. I decided to ask Dad to help me go there, hoping to be helped, so that my husband can stop seeing other women. My dad did not know the real problems, but he took me to his pastor. I asked dad to give us some time and I explained a bit to him. The pastor then asked me to follow him to his office. And by office, I have to put quotation marks because he took her into the bushes. He then later asked, oh, sorry, I've just mentioned that. I drove behind him somewhere in, she mentions this place, and it's way out of town. When there, he began to uh, speak to me about what was happening in my life. I got scared. Then he said, I have something in me that someone has bewitched me, but he can remove it. When I asked how, he hesitated and said, he has spiritual eyes. He asked me to remove my clothes. I refused. And he said, this was the biggest problem in my marriage. As long as I don't deal with it, my husband will marry other women. Then I told him, I can't go that far for a man, even if I love him. He said it was up to me. Then he said I was too beautiful. And once he removes it, my husband will love me because it chases him away. I asked him to give me some time to think. Then he said, I will one day realize and look for him desperately. I left because if I stayed longer, he would have raped me. I regret even going there. I'm sad that I went there. And when I met dad, I couldn't tell him that his pastor asked me to remove my clothes. I'm too sad. I'm embarrassed to tell him. His pastor is fake. And yesterday, dad went to the same church to pray. I don't know how to tell him, so he knows nothing. It's all like a nightmare. I've been depressed. I feel stuck. I've not been able to pray. I don't know what I have to say. I'm so sad that I even went there. And here we have final words. I wonder how many other women he's been with or infected. She gave me his name, so I know it's a popular guy in town. And this is what I mean. This is not simply hunting at things that are far out there. This has become common fare among us. Contrasted to that are the words I want us to read. Second Timothy chapter 3 and beginning with verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete Equipped for every good work. And I hope you will notice there that the equipping is not some kind of eerie, mysterious, discerning powers, but it is this book that's been given to us, which equips us. It's profitable for all that we need in training for righteousness. He goes on to say, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and Teaching. This is the book expounded, Paul is saying to Timothy. And do it with great patience. That's what you'd have expected that man to have done to this lady who was now in a depression. It is that he would have been listening to her and then counseling her using the word of God. Nothing like that happened. How have we moved from where we once were to this situation? Where pastors in our own ranks should be going about this kind of ministry? In your own country, South Africa, we've been able to hear through the press that you you do have at least one pastor among many telling his people to eat grass, to drink petrol, to eat snakes. And recently back home we had one pastor claiming to turn water into petrol. Told his entire congregation to bring bottled water to church that he would turn it into petrol. Thirty or so years ago, within evangelicalism, that wasn't happening. You were not picking up this as news because of things happening within the context of the church. Pastors were understood to be preachers of the word, as we are noticing here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Preach the word. They were seen primarily as shepherds who use the word to teach and instruct the people of God. And those that were better gifted, sort of five-star talented preachers and teachers, are the ones who consequently had the larger crowds. Those who were less gifted would appreciate that, yes, this is who I am by humbly recognizing the levels of gifts they have and consequently would have lesser crowds. That was generally the situation that was there within evangelicalism. How have we found ourselves in a situation where now the church crowd, are not so much about the preaching and teaching gifts that God has bestowed upon his servants, but rather it's about this mysterious ability to discern, to do something miraculous, and consequently the people flock in great numbers. I want us to narrow things down. And I want us to narrow things down in this way. That the problem that we are dealing with is primarily within Protestantism. It's not primarily with Roman Catholicism. So let's narrow it down. It's it's among Protestants. And among Protestants, I want us to go one step further. But this is something we're dealing with primarily among evangelicals, professed evangelicals. In other words, if I went to one of these prophets, I'm sure that that's what he will say. He will say, I'm Protestant, I'm evangelical. And most likely that's where his ministry is registered. At least the guy that has done what I've just read from myself one. That's where he is registered, as an evangelical. Among evangelicals, this is an issue among Pentecostal evangelicals. In other words, those that believe in the extraordinary gifts of the Spirit being present today. And if we can sort of split Pentecostalism into conservative Pentecostalism and the wider charismatic movement, we are really dealing with the wider charismatic movement. That's where the issue is. But still, it's within the pale of evangelicalism. And because of that, it ought to concern us. It must be something we should be addressing. I noted not too long ago through the press that there has been some movement to seek to redress this in South Africa, but it's from the the liberal wing of the church, from what I understand. Perhaps the evangelical fraternity is addressing it, but clearly it is not loud enough. So when we go into that context, we ask ourselves the question, what has happened there? Because even there, I will be able to testify that 30 years ago, while I was a student at university, in the midweek meetings, I often frequented a Pentecostal church in the neighborhood, near the university. I loved the worship. I loved The preacher who was there was an American preacher. I loved his accent as well and his flair. But one thing I will say is that he taught from the Bible. Wherever it was that we were, I could open the Bible and listen. Yes, one or two conclusions I did not agree with, but I went home saying this passage of Scripture is what he concentrated on. And I was learning from there. Even then, and as I said, it's only about 30 years ago, that was the way we understood pastors, even in that kind of context. What seemed to have been added was the miraculous phenomena of the extraordinary gifts that was regularly being taught. But fast forward to today. That's not the main picture. And we still do have conservative Pentecostal churches and pastors who are concerned about this. But clearly they have been overrun. Somehow, they were pushing something slow enough and then it just rolled downhill out of control and it's become what we are seeing today. And it's been a stage-by-stage process. Previously, usually after the preaching of God's word, there would be an altar call that would begin with salvation and then deal with any other issues that you are wrestling with, including any areas that you needed to be prayed for. That would have been generally the way the services went. And so people came forward and consequently they were prayed for. Somewhere along the line, and I don't know exactly where, the understanding that this is my pastor and consequently primarily my teacher changed to this is the man of God whose prayers are powerful. And therefore, if I want something dealt with in my life, I go to his church. Yes, we'll have some teaching, but what is primarily important will be when he finally says, come, because he's got powerful prayer. Brethren, I have no doubt that that was very sincere. And very often argued for. I have no doubt about that. That is because people come with problems. They don't just want to hear you preaching. They also want to to have you pray for them. And that was obviously very sincere. Fast forward. We live in Africa. Africa is a place for power play. It happens in the villages. It happens in our townships. And it is this whole issue of who has power. And normally within our context, the person who has power is, the witch doctor, or the sorcerer. That's the person who seems to have this mysterious power. First of all, when you show up at his place, you don't even need to tell him what the problem is. He will tell you. He will tell you why you've come. But more than that, he will also tell you Who has caused this to happen to you? Usually some unfortunate uncle somewhere. That's the reason why you are not married. That's the reason why you're not able to get pregnant. That's the reason why you are not employed. That's the reason why you you are not being promoted at work. And everything else, including ill health, it's your father's brother who doesn't want you to progress. You know what I'm talking about. He doesn't just stop there. He also has the power to reverse that curse on your life. For a little bit of money out of your pockets, he will do his dabrakadabra and supposedly, things will change. And there are individuals out there who will tell you that I had this problem and then I went. And since then, it has been resolved. Recently, I did a blog post on the issue of spirit husbands and wives. Well, it's no longer recent. It's a few years now. And the, the, the first time, people began to write in and saying I didn't know what I was speaking about because there are these uh, individuals that uh, cast spells on others and, and consequently if your husband is going astray and you go to them, they cast a spell on your husband and he comes back. Initially I thought they were joking. Until I was so flooded with these comments that I, I now just began to send them into my spam box. That individuals should be testifying that I'm now happy because my husband is under a spell. And you call that love? But there we are. That's the, the context that now meets with this Sincere, genuine understanding that people are not just coming to hear me speaking, but we also want to give them the opportunity to be prayed for so that whatever the issues are in their lives are dealt with through our prayers. After all, the prayers of a righteous man achieves a lot it now links up with this other power play. Here is the man of God who seems to have powerful prayer. And here is the other alternative, the sorcerer out in the village or in the township who also seems to have powerful activities that deal with such things. So all that now happens is that individuals have to choose should they use dirty power or clean power. That's it. Some of them, in fact, often, most of them choose both. They go to that little hut somewhere in the middle of nowhere during the week. It hasn't quite worked. And then they come over to the Christian church. I don't know whether in South Africa you have the phrase, but um, in, in Zambia, I'll translate it into, into English, we, 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 we have the phrase that charms are more powerful when you mix them with God or you mix them with religion. They are more powerful. In other words, you, you, you go to the, the village sorcerer, and get the charms, and then you also go to the church pastor. When you mix these two, they are potent. They deal with your problem. Hence, the shift from counseling to deliverance. That's the talk. now. It is Deliverance. The people that come are not coming so that I can say I have the inspired, infallible word from the one who who put human beings together who knitted them into one, from the one who has, as it were, cursed humanity because of the fall, uh, so that in the midst of that frustration, we may seek him afresh for his salvation. He who has also sent the Savior, not only to cleanse us, from the guilt of sin, but also to cleanse us from the defilement of sin and become our father, our guide, our all in all as he sees us through the real trials and temptations of life to take us to heaven. Let me instruct God's people from this book because it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's no longer the case. Rather, where we have now reached, it is this. The person comes and says, uh, we are having marriage problems. We we just, any time we begin to talk about something, it erupts into a quarrel and an argument. And I'm supposed to discern what spirit is bringing about all this. And as this person said that I quoted, I've got spiritual eyes. I'm seeing what you are not seeing. There's a spirit. And to use the blog post, I used a few years ago that I wrote, there is a spirit husband who's in your life. Or a spirit wife who's in your husband's life. And that's the spirit that's bringing about all this. So we'll be having a prayer meeting on Friday night, the whole night, at such and such a hall, come there. Or, tomorrow afternoon, I'll be in that bush just outside town, on top of that hill, come over there and get your deliverance. Friends, that's where we are. That's the shift that has taken place. It is because we have obviously opened this door sincerely that there is this miraculous, extraordinary, mysterious power that is on this person who is called pastor, and we've shifted now to man of God, and we've even shifted further to prophet. In fact, the person again that I'm referring to on this phone, that's his designation. His prophet so and so. That's where we have reached. That's how this shift has taken place. Two things concern me here. First of all, it is because even with respect to the prophets of the Bible. That's not the way they were going about their ministry. They were charging the people for the fact that they are living in sin. They are living in idolatry. And consequently, God has abandoned them. That it's not that God's arm is short that it cannot save. Your sins have come in between you and your Maker. Deal with the issue of sin in your life. Repent of it. And come to Him on the basis of the finished work of His Son, Jesus Christ. You can't have sin in your life. And then have God blessing you and blessing you. Now that's the first concern that I have. is this absence of biblical counseling. The absence of it. I often listen to these things on the radio. And it's amazing. Literally, every answer to every question Yes, I'm listening to you. What's the problem? And then this person begins some story about what's happening in the marriage or in the family or in the community and so on. And invariably, the answer is going to be you need deliverance. There is a spirit that is doing this and that in your life, trying to destroy you. Come. To such and such a meeting. Come. Such and such a meeting. Next, another phone call. And so on. And maybe quickly squeezing in. Write a a 30 seconds prayer. And the 30 seconds prayer is literally the same. I break this bondage. I break this. And I, I do this. And in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Next. I'm sure you listen to this. Where is the council? Where? Close related to this, I have another concern. And it is what I'm calling the opportunity cost. The opportunity cost. With respect to people who are sick. The problem is, if they do not get medical attention, every passing day, they are getting worse. Many of our relatives have died that way. Many. I had a funeral just last week. And on Monday... And it was a nephew who died at one of these places, very sick. The doctors had to make him sign to get out of hospital because they knew what would happen. I had a couple that joined our church, and within the very first year, the wife was found to have cancer. It had terribly advanced. The doctors were trying to explain to her she wouldn't listen. She told her husband, I must go off to Nigeria. I'm sure you know where she went. (laughs) From there, it didn't work. The next is, I must go to South Africa. I'm sure you can guess where she went. And she died here in South Africa. The husband really apologized to us as a church leadership. That she blackmailed. If you stop me from going, it means you don't love me. Now friends, these things are there. They are happening consistently. And that's why I'm saying... To be accused of pride, to be accused of going off at a tangent, it's my own relatives that are going one after the other. And I'm sure your own relatives are going that way too. Because with every week and every month that they are away from the achievements of medicine, which is a gift of God, it's not a gift of the devil gift of God, they are getting worse. I've got doctors in my own church that often say to me, with respect to the traditional healer, that's so that often by the time patients come to him and they come too late, He finds these marks on their bodies that show that's where they started from. Well, that's exactly what's happening now with respect to the spiritual side. There are no markings, but those of us to whom they come pretty late, they tell us where they've been. I've tried this, I've tried that. It hasn't helped. I've come. Lady once came to my office, very educated, by the way, very educated, a deputy head teacher. And she says to me, The sons in my family are all hopeless, useless, just drunkards, womanizers. My husband, exactly the same way. His father, exactly the same way there seems to be a spirit that is flowing through the male section of my church, my family rather. Could you help to deliver my family? from So I asked her, of course, whether she goes to church. Yes, she goes to one of these same churches, and she says, you know, my pastor has tried, the deliverance hasn't worked. I spent time teaching her what the word of God says about child upbringing. And then I asked her, has this been done to your sons in your home? Two things she said. Number one is it's the first time a pastor has taken time to open up the book to me. I spent time with her in the book of Proverbs. She says, it's the first time when I go to the pastors, and she was very honest. She says, all they do is they listen, and then they say, okay, we'll pray for your deliverance. In the meantime, they are getting worse. They're losing out an opportunity to minister into the lives of these sons with biblical trust. She said, I did not know that the Bible was so relevant. I didn't know. And then the second thing she said was, you are right. What you have just explained here has never happened in my life. She said, if my husband went into the boy's bedroom and began to instruct them, they would wonder what has happened. They would wonder. Now, if you are growing a whole generation of human beings like a wild forest in the background, don't be surprised when cobras start coming out. the opportunity cost. Individuals who are failing to get jobs, instead of helping them to be more educated, trained, giving them, helping them find places where they can build their CVs and consequently get into the job market, you are claiming it's a spirit that is over them. Okay, they are in and out of jobs, in and out of jobs. You're not asking the question, okay, tell me, what is your behavior like in your workplace? Do you go on time? Do you work hard? Are you honest? Are you submissive to those who are over you in the world? Nothing like that. It's deliverance. I'll deliver you. In the meantime, the person is getting older and older and older. He's not being helped. That's what has concerned me. And yet when you go to this book, and I quickly must wrap up now. When you go to this book, it says, preach the word. It says be ready in season and out of season. In other words, immerse yourself so much in this book that as you are dealing with whatever situation it is, even if you have not had the time to prepare to deal with it, you will already have been instructed in those ways. And even during seasons when individuals are opposed to this, you will know that this is the truth, and you will still cut a straight furrow through all the resistance that is there. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort... With complete patience and teaching. That's why we are losing today's generation. We have thousands flocking to places of worship. Thousands. And yet there's hardly any spiritual life. Hardly any. Still scandals in the pew. Scandals in the pulpits. Because this book has been shut, and we are now but a faint replica of the village sorcerer. That's all we are. That's all we are. I wish it was something in a little corner somewhere. But, friends, down my own church, down the street, I would count no less than five of these such churches packed to overflowing. I do quite a lot of door-to-door outreach. And I'm being honest when I say this. I'm yet to come across a single individual in these churches who says to me, I went to that church lost and in sin. I was pointed to the Savior hanging on a cross. I saw my sin. I saw his sufficiency. And I called to him to save me. That's how I became a Christian. I'm yet to come across one. The consistent message I get is this. I go to that church, I went with this problem, I was prayed for, I'm now committed to God, waiting for this miracle to come through, and I'm giving, I'm giving, and I'm giving. One day this seed will produce the harvest. May God have mercy on us. May God have mercy on us. Let's pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, this deadly, quantum leap from what church and ministry once was to the disaster that has befallen us is a source of grief not only to your people who seek to save you according to your word, but more so to you, the God of heaven. Oh, how we pray that you might help us to speak a clear message to our own generation so that they may see that this is not evangelicalism. This is heresy, so damning heresy. And Lord, may it be that when you have gathered us with our fathers, a generation will rise that will thank you that there were those willing to be unpopular, to sound a clear note, on this issue. And because of that, that they were salvaged from what would have become a total wreck. Help us, O Lord, to be faithful in that respect. Amen.